Hey! What? What? Hey, Squidge, what? remember this? Oh, no. No, don't go playing that. Don't go... <laughs> you owe me a new wardrobe. From active time battling to zombie slaying, waffling tailors covers video games and beyond. In this episode, we are joined by Anthony from Capes to the Couch podcast to cover the 1995 film adaptation of Mortal Kombat. We cover everything from surprise fatalities, the worst kind of touchdown and a surprise impression. It's in there somewhere, you'll have to listen out for it. So without further ado, sit back grab some snacks and get ready for this episode entitled Mortal Kombat Leg Foo for the Win. Enjoy. Hello everyone. You, you, let me try that again. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Waffle and the Tailors. Woo-hoo. Today we're going to talk about the Mortal Kombat movie from 1995. But before we do any of that, I want to introduce the two people that I'm here with. Um, firstly, there's Squidge, who's always with me. How are you, Squidge? Hello, Squidgey. Hi. I got it wrong again. Yes, there he is. Uh, but with us, more importantly with us, it's uh, Anthony from Capes on the Couch. Anthony, how are you? I am fantastic. So glad to be back. Uh, hello, Jay. Hello, Squidge. Good to be here. Fantastic. Yeah, if you haven't heard um, Anthony's previous appearance, please do, because uh, we talk about a lot of things that are very important in the sort of mental health space, um, because it's very important. Please, folks, look after yourselves. And if you can look after someone else, I've, I've, I've sort of stolen that a little bit from Freakonomics. I hope that, uh, you know, Stephen Domino won't care so much because we're not nowhere near as big as him. But yeah, if you can look after, please look after yourself. And if you can, someone else too. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, there's that. But Anthony, right, um, tell us about your show, Capes on the Couch, before we do anything else, right? Because I want people to go ahead and listen to your show. Well, and I do appreciate that. So Capes on the Couch, we are a podcast. Uh, we just crossed the five-year mark, uh, which we're very proud of. Oh, yeah? And uh, we cover the mental health issues of comic book characters. And my, my co-host, my best friend, my brother, is a board-certified psychiatrist, and so he breaks it down from the perspective of what are some of the issues that each character faces, and then we dissect what treatment options would look like for the characters, both in-universe, and that can involve whatever the characters have available to them, if they're magical, if they are technologically savvy, whatever the, the case may be, if they have abilities, whatever that world has to offer, uh, Doc will utilize that in treatment. And then we discuss what treatment would look like for a real person with a lot of these issues. And then we role play what a therapy session with that character would sound like. And it gives us an opportunity to have a little bit of fun and to do some voice acting. Some of them are funny. Some of them are deadly. Some of them are really serious so it all honestly depends on the character and uh so we have a lot of fun with it and uh you can find us on our all of our episodes are available on our website which is capesonthecouch.com we are on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok at capes on the couch um and we just recently announced i don't 
know exactly when this episode is going to be coming out, but we just found out that we are going to be doing our first ever panel appearance at a convention. We cool. will be oh, at awesome. uh, PoochieCon in Atlantic City, New Jersey, so not terribly far from where we are. On uh, Sunday, May 14th, we will be discussing Vash the Stampede from Trigun. <laughs> if you are at all a manga or anime fan, uh, the con is a little more anime and manga focused than your your standard comic convention. So when we were putting the panel together, I said to Doc, we've never done a manga character. I want to make sure that we hit the audience kind of where they are. Mm. Um, and so I said... I know nothing about manga. It's just nothing against it. It's just never been my bag. So I said to Doc, you are much more in tune with that world. Who's the character that you think we should do? And then I will go ahead and read whatever books, volumes, omnibuses are necessary to equate myself with the character. And he said, well, I just got my daughter into Trigun. So let's, uh, let's do Vash the Stampede. And I said, okay, uh, from the name, I'm interested, so I haven't yet read any of the Trigun series, but uh, in any case, that's going to be, uh, as I said, Sunday, May 14th, if you have an opportunity to come. If you don't, which I totally understand if you can't, we will be recording the panel session and releasing it as an episode at a later time for anybody who is not able to attend. Um, But uh, So we're just really excited about that because we've applied for panels at several cons and never quite gotten there and so this is the first one that we're, we're doing um so we're, we're really hyped about it and we hope it leads to more sweet that's awesome yeah yeah um so just to set expectations uh we're releasing this may 5th so at least that's the plan because uh, i'm going to be in the states for two weeks between when we're recording and when it goes out so uh, as long as squidge can do his magic then yeah we're releasing it way ahead of time so folks mm-hmm. if you're listening to this now and you can get to the area or you're in the area go please yeah. trust me you're gonna have a, a wonderful time not just at our panel but the th- one of the things that really attracted us to the convention in general is that it's not just a it is obviously a, a comic convention but they made it very clear that it was created with a focus on mental health physical health creating a safe space mm. for you know anybody who's not a a white cis cisgender hetero male like I am. So mm. <laughs> anybody who's not me, uh, you know, people of color, women, minorities, the LGBTQ plus community, trans, et cetera, whatever, whatever walk of life you choose to come in, it, the convention is explicitly intended to be a safe space for that. And they really wanted to put a focus on mental health in the fandom community because they felt that the creators of the convention understandably and rightfully so felt that it's perhaps underrepresented for mental health and so when we saw that i said well we have to have a, a panel there it's you know an hour and a half from my house and we're very much playing in the same sandbox so that was really one of the things that like i said uh, attracted us to uh, this particular convention so it's fitting that it's it's our first panel appearance cool awesome yeah i i really i really like that because um, i'm I'm all about, um, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, you know, I personally am never going to be as big of a content creator as I feel like you guys are and stuff like that. So I'm whatever corner of the internet I'm in, I'm always telling people, look, if you're in any way worried about your own mental health or worried about the mental health of someone else, you know, please just 
figure out a way to get help for it because there is no stigma. There is no worry. Just go see the person who can help you out and you will be a better person, right? There is, if I hate the metaphor because it feels sort of wishy-washy, but if there are gray clouds, you can get help to remove those gray clouds and live a different life, right? So go do it. You know, I'm all about that. Let's, let's focus on how to keep everyone in a healthy state because we look after our bodies but like i feel like especially in my line of work as a developer i see it all the time i i see people not really looking after their mental health they look after their physical health kind of sometimes but they don't they they completely neglect their mental health and i i, I can't i can't stand that i'm like let's go get everyone some help there is no stigma there is no horribleness Let's go get some help and make everyone feel better because, and that's me using unintentional ignorance. I don't want to downplay anything by saying you will feel better, but you, you know what I mean? You, you can be a better person in a better place. Perhaps I'm using the wrong words. I'm sorry, Anthony. That's, that's fine. No, you're, you're absolutely on track. I, I totally agree with you. I think there shouldn't be a stigma. Sadly, I think there is that there's this notion of uh, if I have a cold, oh, I can go to the doctor. Oh, if I have cancer, I'm going to go to an oncologist or, you know, if I'm having trouble breathing, I'm going to go see uh, an ENT. But if there's something going on mentally, oh, tough it up. Everybody gets depressed every once in a while. You can, you can deal with that. Yeah, Yeah. Everybody gets cancer. You can, you can deal with that. You can live with that. Yeah. Everybody gets lupus. Like, come on, like, let's, let's, put them on an even playing field and let's remove that stigma. Um, mm. But, uh, but enough about that. Let's, let's talk about some people getting uh, <laughs> brutally beaten and, and knocked around here. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about some really dodgy death. CGI. <laughs> From a positive so, message to we, fighting to the death. Let's do this. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. Right. Uh, before we hit record, um, Squidge and Anthony were, trading some shots about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Now, if you're listening to this episode on day of release or shortly after, we've already released our thoughts on Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but there was some there was some trash talk. And I think it would be good to sort of revisit the trash talk. <laughs> well it wasn't I wouldn't say it was trash talk, but uh but Squidge seemed to indicate that he felt that Mortal Kombat Annihilation was the best Mortal Kombat movie uh of them all and I personally disabused him of that notion. Uh, now, mind you, I haven't seen the the reboot, so I do not, I cannot compare that to the, the original two. But having seen mm-hmm. the original two, and in fact, I still have my ticket stub from seeing Mortal Kombat Annihilation in theaters because I have the ticket stub to every film I have seen since Space Jam in 1996. Oh, nice. Yes, it's it's been an ongoing collection. I have them in a tin. I have close to 300 at this point. Um, I, I, so I did see Mortal Kombat Annihilation in theaters and I can say, Squidge, you, I, I don't know what you were on. I don't know what, uh, you know, we're just talking about mental health. Maybe you need to see somebody. Maybe you need to, to get some treatment there because I think you were operating <laughs> under a delusion and under a separate reality <laughs> than, than the rest of us. And that, that is okay. That is, that is you're living your truth. But I'm going to speak my truth. I'm going to live my reality. And my reality is one in which the Mortal Kombat Annihilation falls well below the standard of the original. <laughs> so that is what I will politely and tactfully say about that. Mortal Kombat Annihilation is meant to be a sequel. No matter what, you, no matter what anyone says, it's meant to be a sequel. And... 
To be honest, the story is already established. What little of the story is established. Um, the story is already established and it's not meant to be taken as seriously as the first one. So in that regards, um, the story is inco- inconsequential really. But <clears throat> to quote a Irish comedian Dylan Moran, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, not that part, this part, it's fabulously f- stupid. <laughs> the movie is pure cheese, and I love it. <laughs> but see, you that's, what I, that's what I like about the first cheese one. Films, 90s cheese films, it doesn't get better than Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> Seriously. I, I, I get where you're coming from with that. I, I acknowledge the absurdity of the thesis. I just don't necessarily agree with the conclusion because I think that there are certainly 90s cheese films that are superior in terms of their cheesiness and their commitment to the cheese. I would even argue that among video game films, it, as far as 90s cheese films... It isn't even in the same stratosphere as Street Fighter, which <laughs> Raul Julia was buried with pieces of the scenery of that film still in his teeth. So, <laughs> and rest in peace to a legend, but he went out in a blaze of glory. That And as a, as a Jersey man who, is, who has eaten at many diners, there has been no one who has enjoyed ham and cheese a ham and cheese sandwich more than Raul Julia did in Street Fighter. He was like, I'm on my way out the door. This is the last thing that is ever going to be committed to celluloid. I'm having a blast with it. it. I'm just going to go all out. So that's why I, to this day, and it's no disrespect to the man, he's an absolute legend, but that's why I say he was buried with pieces of the scenery still in his teeth. So even among 90s cheese films, Annihilation still isn't in the same level. It's not even the same ballpark. Like, you know, to put it in terms you'd understand, uh, Street Fighter is like EPL and Mortal Kombat Annihilation is like whatever, like tier three of the, the you know, promotion relegation is. It's like far, far below that. They're like <laughs> below Wrexham where like, you know, even even Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney can't save them. Like, that's where it is. Ocelot did it again. Sorry, boss. You know, the, the super interesting thing about, because we'll come on to Mortal Kombat 95 in a moment, but the interesting thing to me about everything you've just said is that Jean-Claude Van Damme turned down the role of Johnny Cage to be in Street Fighter. Right, I feel like there needs to be a discuss there. <laughs> I was not aware of that. I did know that Cameron Diaz was going to be Sonya Blade and broke mm-hmm. her wrist and had to drop out and was replaced yep. with Bridget Wilson, who then had to leave the day after shooting Happy Gilmore, or uh, uh, Billy Madison. Um, so mm-hmm. hot, want to touch the hiney. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's Nudie Magazine Day. Hello, Mr. Penguin. 
My son, one of my son's favorite toys is a penguin, this little stuffed penguin that he, he takes naps with all the time. And every once in a while, I thought, oh, hello there, Mr. Penguin. He has no idea what I'm referencing. And he's only four <laughs> years old, so he's not going to know what I'm talking about for at least 10 more years. But every once in a while, just for my own edification and just for and giggles, I'm like, oh, hello there, Mr. Penguin. Oh, oh, Mr. Penguin. So I go through like the whole thing. He has no idea what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, wow, Jean-Claude Van Damme as Johnny Cage. See, but I think if he had yeah. taken that, he would have tried to play it seriously. Yes. Which, you know, all credit to Lyndon Ashby, he very much did not. He knew where that line was, and he towed it so perfectly. You know, mm -hmm. maybe maybe now Jean-Claude Van Damme would have gotten the joke. He would have been in on it, and he would have understood a little better, like— you know, the, the Van Damme that did like JCVD or did the, the Expendables 2, like he understood assignment. 1995, Jean-Claude Van Damme would not have understood the assignment and it would have been a worse <laughs> film for it. Probably, uh, yeah. yeah. That's very true. Because I think true. that's one of the, the he, he took Street Fighter seriously. He didn't quite understand the assignment. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why that film is as f***ed up as it is in a good and bad way. Because you're like, he doesn't know he's in a bad film. And it makes it interesting to watch from that perspective. You know, it's the whole TV trope so, took the bad film seriously. Yeah, the, the interesting thing to me about um, uh, Street Fighter, we'll get back onto Mortal Kombat in a moment. And we covered this in our Street Fighter episode, um, is that... And I think it was pointed out by uh, Zach, who was our guest in that episode. Um, there's a scene in where they're walking through like the locker room and there's just a guy shirtless with, and he's gone, he's sitting on a pile of towels, right? It's like, what is that? Like, what, what was that? What was that conversation when they were setting up that scene? You know, we need you with no shirt on and a towel around your waist and we want a gun sitting on a pile of towels. And then later in the film, when they're, they're, they're like, they've all assembled, like the, the totally not UN have assembled and JCVD gives that rousing speech. We're going to go get him. We're going to whatever. And he goes to get into the speedboat and all hell breaks loose and people are running backwards and forwards. There's a woman running around screaming, holding a shoe. Like, what? what I don't understand what's going on. I think they were it's trying to. as hell, but. I mean, I think they were trying to replicate the ridiculousness of the backgrounds in the stages. Because Roy Wood Jr. did a hilarious stand-up bit about that, about the background of the Street Fighter stages that I think it was one of them, you know, he's like, you want to fight? Yeah. You want to do this later at night, you know, when when nobody's around? No, let's do this in the middle of the day during business hours. He's like, there is commerce <laughs> happening behind this. They're kicking ass at a fish market. And the dude's like, yeah, you know, I want to I want a pound of the flounder and get me some of the... Yeah, anyway, so I want that Chilean sea bass. And he's like, there are people like walking around in the backgrounds of these Street Fighter things. He goes, and that's the lesson to be learned. He goes, no matter what you see, mind your mother business and just go about your day. <laughs> and so I think from that perspective, that's what they were probably going for with the Street Fighter. Um, but we, we've spent an awful lot of time talking about stuff that is... <laughs> Barely tangentially related to the topic at hand. I love this. This has mm -hmm. gone off the rails before the train has even left the station. I mean, that's what we do. We go, we, 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 where we're going, we don't need rails, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So yeah, uh, if you haven't picked it up already, we're talking about Mortal Kombat 1995. So this was the the Paul W.S. Anderson movie, the movie that directly led to him doing all of the Resident Evil movies because um, the first movie came out, he did a whole bunch of reshoots, and then he let go of the reins and said, no, I don't want to do a sequel, I don't want to be tied down to a sequel. Mortal Kombat Annihilation happened, and then he went and made Resident Evil and said, I'm staying with this now, I'm not going anywhere. Which is, so it's Mortal Kombat's fault, is what I'm saying. That's why we have the Resident Evil movies, it's because of Mortal Kombat. You can go and blame Lawrence Kazanov for producing the Mortal Kombat uh Duology. I don't know what you say. What, what is it when you when there's two movies? There's uh, uh, two a duology. Movies? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Two of them. Yeah. Or, you so know, it's, pair. it's his fault. Yeah, the pair of Mortal Kombat movies. It's Lawrence Kazanov's fault, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else uh, for Resident Evil movies being a thing. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> but if it wasn't for the 1995 uh, Resident Evil, there wasn't the Resident Evil movie. If it wasn't for the Res, if it wasn't for the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie, we wouldn't have that amazing piece of music by Utah Saints that is just someone yelling out at the top of their lungs, at the height of all of their wonderful um, experience, the words "Mortal." Combat, do, do, like do, that do, whole do, piece do, of music. Do, 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 do. Mortal Combat. I'm going to start that's kicking it. stuff in a minute. Calm down. Yeah, yeah, that that, right. that that piece of music would never have existed had it not been a. I am the chosen movie. one. All so right. I am the chosen one. All right. I am the chosen one. All right. Let's dance. <laughs> exactly right. If it wasn't for this movie, that that song wouldn't exist. And Followed by someone yelling "Copyright strike." I had that soundtrack on CD in like 1995, back when that <laughs> was very much in that, uh, you know, techno industrial sound. Uh, I was watching the movie last night and uh, Sonya and Kano started facing off and I was like, oh, it's KMFDM, like shoot joint Jezebel. Like, <laughs> it's popping off right now. <laughs> give, give me that primey industrial 90s sound. It's just like, it's not quite rock. It's not quite techno. It's kind of mashed together. It's, you know, and distortion and just, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a sound. There was a, a very much a style to it. The Spawn soundtrack, the yeah. 97 uh, Michael Jai White mm. film, another one they were just like, yeah, let's throw, yeah, let's do uh, like, you know, uh, uh, this like industrial remix of For Whom the Bell Tolls. It's like Metallica and DJ <laughs> and not, I don't know what the <laughs> name was, but it was just like, yeah, we're just going to, you know, throw, throw James's vocals through a condenser and do all kinds of crazy stuff with it, but yeah, the soundtrack was yeah. was an absolute banger. Thank you, Utah Saints, for that. If you don't get hyped That's after crazy. hearing that and want to run through a goddamn brick wall, like, check a pulse. <laughs> There's a reason why most of them <laughs> tunes are on my gym playlist. So so is it is it is it this soundtrack that created the Kool-Aid Man? Is that that's what you're saying, right? If it weren't for this soundtrack, the Kool-Aid Man wouldn't exist. Uh, well, Kool-Aid Man I, needs to be in the next Mortal Kombat game. <laughs> Round one, fight. Oh, yeah. Finish him. Yeah, just Finish him. And the Kool-Aid man just picks him up and like dunks him in the Kool-Aid and he drowns or it's like acidic Kool-Aid. That's what it should be. Like he dunks him in the, the vat and it's just like you see him dissolve. And then he gets done. And, oh, yeah. Fatality. <laughs> Flawless victory. 
Thank you for that nightmare image. I won't be <laughs> sleeping for a week. Or, you know, he pours a little out of the top and, and pours it into a glass and hands it to the other guy. Friendship. Friendship. That's that's the friendship move is the Kool-Aid man pouring out a glass <laughs> of himself and gives it to his opponent. <laughs> just any fatality in the game. It's just finish him. And out of nowhere, the Kool-Aid guy just comes, like, comes in and smashes the <laughs> out of him. They just explode. Yeah. There's no fatalities. It's just Kool-Aid going, oh, yeah. That could be it. It could be instead of fatality, instead of animality, instead of friendship, just Kool-Aid. Oh, my gosh. Why not? Kool-Aid-ality. <laughs> so the crazy thing about the soundtrack, right, is that I've read that um, the uh, Sony wanted to get involved, and they were like, no, no, the soundtrack has to have Van Halen and Janet Jackson on it. Like. <laughs> I don't think I want to live in that world. I mean, don't get me wrong. Van Halen, Janet Jackson at that time, they were, you know, it's it's pretty good. But I don't think I want to live in that world where Utah Saints didn't get to go, that's not a world I want to live in, right? Where it's replaced by Janet Jackson saying Mortal Kombat. That's not, that's not the world I want to live in. I mean, she would make it sexy, <laughs> but. That's true. Smooth jazz. I- <laughs> Weaponized smooth jazz as Sonya Blade's theme tune. <laughs> yeah. Tonight we're going. Tonight we're going to slaughter. We're going to rip out some spines to the smoothing sounds of Kenny G. <laughs> <laughs> then it's just halfway through the track. It just dims right down, really quiet, and then just oh yeah, and then starts building up again <laughs> with guest vocals by Pete Bryson. <laughs> <laughs> and the sax man from uh, Lost, uh, Lost Lost Boys. Boys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Forget he should be in the next Mortal Kombat game. The sax man from Lost Boys. Yes. Yes. If not, he should Absolutely. be a background character just hammering it up on the sax. Why not? They, they, they've thrown in at this point so many other franchises now. You got Joker and Robocop and Terminator and everybody else. Yeah, sure. Throw in the shirtless sax man. And that's. You know, that's his fatality is he sinks some notes and then jams it up your ass. I don't know. You <laughs> should be in the background and mid fight, right? You should be able to, I don't know, like like other things, like that you pick stuff out from the background in hell. You should be able to just grab his saxophone, bonk him off the head with it. But that should be his fatality is he, you know, he shoves it up your ass. And then, you know, Plays the, the tune, reed, you he shoves it so far up your ass that the reed comes out your mouth and he keeps playing it as your body covers, as your torso covers the saxophone. He's playing, you know, he's playing the, the finger holes through your ribs. A flesh phone. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst hitting the brown note and yeah, you're good. Torso phone. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Not really a woodwind instrument, then, is it? It's more like a bonewind instrument. In, instrument. Bloodwind. Bloodwind sounds like a Rob Liefeld comic book creation, you know, but like spelled with like a W Y N D, you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was some third-rate oh, X Force villain from like 1996, you know, just like whatever. He's got all pouches and swords. Yep. Played by Twin and, Rock and, Johnson. <laughs> and his anatomy is completely <laughs> <up>. <laughs> oh my god oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man Whew. 
Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> we've we've created so many alternate <laughs> things that should that should exist. And we're only yes. we're like a half hour in and we haven't even talked about the goddamn movie yet. <laughs> like this should exist. Why doesn't this exist? And this should be the soundtrack and we need this game and all that. Yeah. The movie the movie at this point. Why have more fun talking about <laughs> talking about everything Hollywood, else? You can have all of our you can have our ideas for free, Hollywood. Go make this movie. The uh, the medication's strong today, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Medication? Yeah, that's it. That's the medication I'm talking about. Yeah. It's a cold, honest. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yes, 1995, Paul W.S. Anderson, fighting movie. Although, I, I, I like, I, I made a note um, that, like, the fighting itself doesn't happen until halfway through the movie, mm. which I think is a good thing, right? Uh, because it it sort of follows the the same I, the same beats as like Enter the Dragon, whereas like Mortal Kombat Annihilation, st- like within as soon as the, the credit sequence is finished, you're in a montage, right? And that's something that Rocky doesn't even get to till the end of the movie, right? It's like boom, here's a montage and here's some running and fighting and like characters die and stuff. Whereas Mortal Kombat takes. 95 at least takes a little time to sort of set the scene this guy needs to go over here this lady's chasing that person you know uh jcvd i mean johnny cage is an actor and he's, he's legitimately worried that the press aren't taking him seriously there's some real character like moments there i mean all the, uh, yeah i mean there's how bad is the uh, how bad is the press though that they have nothing else to write about that johnny cage's fighting skills make front page headlines on two separate continents in at least two different languages. Yep. How, how starved are they for content that of all the things that they could write about, there's no political corruption. There's no diseases. There's no global disasters. No, let's talk about whether or not this globally beloved action star is a fake. Like, so does does that make Johnny Cage the Tommy Wiseau of the Mortal Kombat universe? <laughs> I think that's my mic drop moment. I'm done. I've got it. That's it. We, right, no, Lou, I did not hit him. I did not. Oh, hi, Sonia. <laughs> this is the part where you fall down. Tearing me apart! <laughs> okay, right. Okay, would this movie have been better with Tommy Wiseau as Johnny Cage? Tommy Wiseau as Raiden. <laughs> and then... Tommy Wiseau as all the characters. <laughs> no, Tommy Wiseau as Raiden, and then Christopher Lambert plays Shang Tsung. <laughs> Neither one of them could maintain then, an eyeline with anyone else in the cast. And then the guy who plays Shang Tsung plays Sonya Blade. Let's just mix it up completely. <laughs> <laughs> who oh, thought this was a good idea seriously <laughs> yeah hollywood go make that right <laughs> i'll have what he's having i'll i want some of that um lack of sleep and pre-workout let's do this <laughs> is that what's in that glass that, that yeah. mason jar that you're drinking from is the pre-workout no no this this is iron brew this is made from gaiters in scotland not affiliated non-affiliated yeah. iron brew yeah, yeah, but uh, seriously, folks, before we hit record, Squidge drinks like a full thing of pre-workout. 
I took pre-workout this morning because I was like, oh, my wife is going to go to the store. I'm going to put my daughter down for a nap and then I'm going to get some exercise done. And then that didn't happen. So then uh, like, you know, half an hour later, I'm twitching because I had like umpteen things to do. And I'm like, I'm wasting the pre-workout. Like I'm, I'm jittering. Like I've got, you know, 10,000 volts wired to my ass, but it's all for naught. So, you know, that was a fun morning, yeah, but. And I took that before this recording, mainly because I've, <laughs> I've 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 just got over a really bad migraine, so my body's knackered. So I need to give it a jolt up the ass. So a bit of pre-workout never hurt anyone, apart from me. Really, I am actually really shaking a little you. bit. So. Oh yeah, I, I get the good, shakes all the good. time with that stuff. But um. <laughs> it's a fun ride. That's how committed Squidge is to this to his art form. <laughs> I go through this pain for you guys. He's committed, or he should be. Come see, come see. Let's let's let, let's just That's agree to disagree. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm I'm so, not a therapist, but I play one on a podcast, and this man should be committed. Woo! <laughs> Achievement unlocked. <laughs> My life is now complete. Your soul Bad is death. mine. You can try. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's talk about let's go around the around the room and talk about a few scenes that we'd like to highlight. Like, um, if is there anything that specifically jumped out to you? You know, like guys, I got to talk about this because it's been in my brain. Or is there like a scene where you're like, I wish they'd have done this better with having someone else do this? I'm like, what, what? the scene where any, the scene where, where Sonia is chasing down Kano, and we're trying to establish Sonia, Jax, and and Kano. First off, they're firing shotguns and semi-automatic weapons in the middle of this concert. I understand it's industrial rock, but nobody gets like even a little concerned, whatever. Also, the guy that's chasing Sonya definitely fires towards her. He's firing towards yep. the crowd. Nobody moves. Nobody mm -hmm. gets hit. No nothing. Also, a different time. That's all I can say. I, it was the 90s. I don't know where people just didn't care. I, I, I don't get it. You know, all she's high walking the around on um, Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 she's trying to, like, make her way through this mob of, you know, all of these like goths and, and industrial folks. And she's just like bashing skulls in with the, the shotgun, <laughs> the tactical shotgun. Mm -hmm you know, with the, with the flashlight on it and chase it through and nobody like moves out of the way. Is this supposed one to guy notices? I've, I've been, uh, do you, did you see that one guy sort of went, Oh, and then moved to one side. One guy out of the entire crowd saw it and panicked just one. And he grabbed someone and dragged her out it, the way. One I, I watched it. I watched it last night. I can, I still have 36 hours to watch it on uh, Amazon prime video. Cause I rented it. Um, and uh, <laughs> my wife, uh, it started. My wife had never seen it. She knew of the game series. She played like the original back in the day. Um, but we sit down and she's like, I'm excited to watch this. And then <laughs> 15 minutes in, she's like, sorry, this, this is not a good movie. I was, she goes, but, but it's so good. It's bad in a good way. I was like, yes, now you get it. Um, but yeah, so, so they, they, established that Sonia and, and Jax are like on the hunt for this guy. And like, they don't care about any of the civilian casualties. They don't care about collateral damage. Like they're going to get this Kano come hell or high water. Also, I have not seen this movie in about 
20 years. And what I remember from the previous time that I'd seen this is, oh, Kano's Australian, and then they made Kano Australian in the games. I'm re-watching this film, and I'm listening to the accent going, how the f*** do you hear Australian? He's Cockney. Cockney. Accent. Yep. Yep. Like, yep. if you want to make him Cockney in the games, that's okay. How do you hear a Cockney accent and go, yeah, he's he's an Aussie? I'm sorry, what? Because, again, <laughs> I didn't remember it, so I just remembered, like, okay, I know he, you know, again, not having seen it in over 20 years, I'm like, well, he doesn't speak North American English. So I was just like, okay, everything I read said, yeah, he's Australian. And then they made him Australian in the games because of it. I was like, all right, cool. But watching this last night and I'm listening, like, I, I, I watch Bluey all the time. I know an Aussie accent. That's not an Aussie. <laughs> like, that is not an Aussie accent. That is Cockney. How do you hear Cockney and go, yeah, all right, we're, we're going to make him Australian. I don't, I don't get it. The, the person who okayed that change must have been high on Kool-Aid and Nesquik powder. <laughs> it, it's, it's so much cheaper than Class A drugs, I'm telling you. Don't ask me how I know that. It's readily available. You don't get arrested for carrying it open openly, you know. Just say you've got a nephew you've got to take it home for. You, it's, you're catering for a party. No one says anything. You know, a bit of Kool-Aid and Nesquik. Are we, are we, are we uh, grandma too? And then you're off. <laughs> they listen to that. Oh, it's Australian. Yeah, Australian colors. Yeah, why not? So the, the crazy thing about that is that the actor who played Kano went to his death telling everyone he was Australian because the American media went, and Kano, who's Australian? Like, that's just the fact that he absorbed that and made it part of his internal character. The mythos. Like the actor. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. Very strange indeed. <laughs> oh boy. I love how in that scene you get the first inklings of Shang Tsung being sleazy as well. Oh, he like he is proper sleazy in this if, movie. If if you'll um, excuse the term phrase, he's got a real hard on for Sonya Blood. He yeah, he's just My beautiful Sonya. <laughs> yeah, my dear. You know, it's very Make sure she gets on that boat. Stranger danger. That's what we're talking about. He he's my he's goodness. apart from the sleaziness, his voice, he could do like audiobooks. I, I would oh, happily yeah, listen. Yeah. His his voice is he's got a weird silky smooth. And I've got the feeling that halfway through to listen to one he punched me in the face because he's a martial artist. I'll be down with that. Oh you know. Mate, Gary Hiroyuki Tagagawa has, like, I've got it written down in my notes. He was the perfect person to play Shang Tsung, not only because he was chewing the scenery so much, but, like, his facial expressions, mm. right? They are perfect. Like, that first scene where he holds up um, Liu Kang's brother's head and looks directly into the camera, like, he's going, you know, he's pulling that face. It's perfect. But what's really interesting to me is that when he had his audition, he turned up in that costume, like, that was his own costume he put together. And he turned up, he's like, yep, I'm going to be Shang Tsung. This is who I am. And then got up on a chair and was like, your soul is mine. Like, just, wow. And they de-aged the character because Shang Tsung's supposed to be like 5,000 years old or whatever. They de-aged the character in the script so they could hire him to yeah. play the character because they knew he was so good at it. It's a fortune <laughs> on prosthetics as well, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, he was the only one they wanted. They were like, we want you, and that's it. 
Yep. Are, you are the alpha and the yep. omega of our Shang Tsung list. I, I will I will mention one thing just real quickly about this film. Um, people have a real problem with what's considered as a flawless victory. Um, yes. Shang Tsung, he says flawless victory a couple of times, despite the fact one of the fights wasn't a flawless victory. And I know it was meant to be like, uh, I'm showing off because I won, but Liu Kang at the end, he sure as wasn't flawless victory when he mentioned it after he True. took him out. There's a real problem. Is, is it you don't get hit? You don't get flawed? You know, because in the games, you get hit, it's not flawless. Yeah, I think I think with um, with that, it was just a case of here's a reference to the game that we can throw in several times throughout the movie. Mm. You know, like uh, like the finish him that he says once or twice, right? It's like here's a reference to keep dragging people back in because uh, I think I think we said it during the Mortal Kombat Annihilation chat, but like a lot of Mortal Kombat Annihilation is. Do you remember this bit in the games? And I feel like like that's just like, hey, there's this action stuff. Also, here's this reference from the game for you. Right? Yeah, it was fan service. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to defend Mortal Kombat Annihilation. It'll start another argument. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got two really quick scenes that I really loved. The first one, okay. uh, the third one's more of a lengthy one, but the first scene that I really loved was um, when you saw... Raiden for the first time, and he told Liu Kang, "Come at me, then. You know, show me how good you are." Um, he did a sweet ass flip. He got flipped by a god. Um, so, best fight scene in the movie, uh, just because it's got Chris Lambert in it, going whoop and flipping him over. It's just hands down the best one in the film. Because um, you know, you, just by the looks of everyone else in the crowd, they're like, "Whoa, you got flipped by a god, son!" You know, it's just you don't get much better than that, really, dear. In front of his, in front of his, his, uh, his temple, his, his religion, uh, his, his, his uh, relatives, uh, everyone. He just got owned by a god. How'd you come back from that? Oh, I'm going to go to the tournament and win. So is that because he got owned? If he didn't get flipped, would he not go? You know, was that his motivation? It wasn't revenge. It was I'm going to show you because you flipped me. I guess. Yeah, it was. <laughs> He, well, he, he said flat out, he's like, I'm going to avenge my brother's death with or without your consent. So no matter yeah. what happened, I mean, Reagan could have whipped out his god dick and slapped him in the face with it. He's like, yeah, that's nice. I'm still going. <laughs> is, is that a deleted C? We lost Jeremy. Is that a deleted C? <laughs> she whipped it out and... No, that's from the porno parody, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Immoral Kombat. Immoral combat. <laughs> Lou Wang and Sonya Bear. <laughs> Johnny Caged, you know. <laughs> Family show, everyone. But. <laughs> <laughs> Strike her. I mean, look, right? <laughs> Here's the thing, right? I'm walking down the street and I walk past Christopher Lambert and he throws me on the floor. I get up and go, thank you very much. Carry on, right? Because it's Christopher Mother Lambert, right? <laughs> <laughs> there can be only oh. one. Lord Red. Yeah. He's got that. 
wonderful like whispered delivery that you'd miss anyway so you're probably telling you hey if you walk past me i'm gonna throw you on the floor and you'd be like i didn't hear a word you said right that's that's what's going to happen just for good measure he teabags you um the the second (laughs) rib you just mentioned parodies i thought i might keep it going the the second really awesome scene that i loved was when they were following shang sung and they got into like the banquet hall all that food i was very hungry earlier on when i was watching it um for some reason and i don't know why but i loved it it was a couple of people followed them and it was showing like their martial arts for the first time johnny cage got like a, a stick and he was beating them sonya blade was doing her thing luke Kang for some reason ran up some steps and then hopped over a tiny stone wall and that stayed in the edit that was amazing yeah what made it even more amazing, and I spat my drink out, was he went, hey! <laughs> was, was that when he ran up and he did like the half the half ass cartwheel over? I remember yeah. that. <laughs> he went, hey! and he, he looked really menacing at the camera. I was like, oh no. I spat I had to dry the wall. I spat my drink out. It was just I was not expecting it. <laughs> also, can I also mention just really quick, bust a nut. I know, right? <laughs> can I just mention real quick? When Kano sat there and he's trying to show off to Goro, right? How big is that wheel of cheese to his right, our left? It's f-ing huge. <laughs> How much cheese do they need? There's a lot of Bigger fighters. Than Pac-Man. <laughs> I know, but f-ing how much cheese? I'm really hungry. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Don't be lactose intolerant. It's that simple, right? That's how you survive Mortal Kombat. Don't be lactose intolerant. And if you are, the fights are really fast <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> All right, maybe, I, all right. I, I gotta go. I gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kick your ass. Oh, just don't hit me. In the, oh, you hit me in the ribs. Oh, I myself. Oh, oh, and fight's over. No, 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 no. In the gut. No, in the gut. Right, I give up. Shitality. <laughs> Fartless victory. <laughs> Goes from high flying kicks to is a boxer and he stands completely still. I am moving for obvious reasons. You know. <laughs> I'll be one for And in this corner in the brown oh, trunks, no. we've got. <laughs> well, it says white trunks here, but the brown, we'll just go with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It started off white and it's spreading brown. <laughs> so I never noticed the cheese wheel <laughs> because all I could fixate on that one scene was the size of the chalice that he's drinking from. It's it's just. You it's want one, bonkers. Yes. Is the short answer. We should all have a chalice. Fill it with, it needs to be filled with gin, rye, scotch, and... Um, pre-workout. And, and pre- <laughs> pre-workout at the same time. Hey, you need energy for fighting. Twitching. How quickly would you move with that? Seriously. The pre-workout gives you the energy for the fight, and, and the alcohol dulls, your, dulls the pain senses, so that if you're getting the kicked out of you, Absolutely. you don't notice. You don't feel anything. Absolutely. And yeah. to make it a hundred thousand times worse, you you throw in a couple of shots of Red Bull. Yep. Well, That's then it. then you can fly over your opponent because famously Red Bull gives you wings, so you can yeah, just absolutely. fly right over them. <laughs> we should all have a challenge yeah. with that concoction. I'm going to try that. Like how much it costs, I'm going to try that. I'll report back if you can find me again. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't go air wall. The problem is, Squidge, you're going to drink all that and then sit in the corner and just just 
<laughs> that's all we'll hear from you it's just hey, i need energy to complete resi 4 remake on professional with an s plus that might just give me the kick to do it you never know maybe so Who <laughs> that or i'll just sit <laughs> rocking a corner one of the two <laughs> yes we all maybe. need chalices also can i just really mention really quick and i'll keep bringing it up Liu kang in the comedic moments like shang sung he chews the scenery so hard the comedy bits. I've gotten, I've got this written down, right? Because I looked into some, um, some behind the scenes stuff, right? Um, because the script was still being written by the time they got to pre-production and their, you know, their storyboarding and stuff. <laughs> um, the Paul W. S. Anderson had said to the actors, "If you want to inject some humor and ad lib some lines, totally feel free." So, like the whole, <laughs> sorry. Like that is Christopher Lambert on set being Christopher Lambert, right? And and like the lines, like uh, like when uh, Liu Kang says the prophecies must be true, and then he walks off camera, and there's a perfect beat, and then Johnny Cage goes, "What prophecies?" Right? <laughs> that was all. All of those things, all of those quips, were totally ad libbed on set, and apparently. Uh, Boone and Tobias absolutely hated it because they were like, no, this is a serious martial arts movie about a serious martial arts game. You can't do that. Hmm. But it led to the the best line in the movie for me. Those are $500 sunglasses, asshole. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Greatest line in the film, that. <laughs> and that, that's part of the scene that I want, one of the scenes that I want to highlight when it's, when it's Goro versus uh, versus Johnny Cage, and it's like deal with him quickly. I will right in the nuts, right in the yam bag. It's like yeah, gets him right in the yam bags, and then it's like lol, run. That's the best strategy ever. Whack him in the yam bags and leg it. Also, the the Goro like puppeteer. All he ever seemed to be able to do was just look up and raise his arms. How many times did he do that? While the puppeteers make him look like he's trying to squeeze out, you know, three-day-old P.F. Chang packed in. He's like. (laughs) Apparently, the guy inside the suit could only do two minutes at a clip because they didn't put air holes in the suit mm. so he could only operate for two minutes at a clip because he was running out of oxygen even the godzilla yeah, wow. actors inside the f- suits were able to do longer than that jesus christmas it's 1995 <laughs> how f- hard is it to put a little holes in the suit or whatever so that the guy can breathe jesus christ yeah i reckon it's the the voice actor for goro which is very recognizable for any cartoons that anyone ever remembers from saturday morning um i reckon he had after the, the, the whole scene of the banquet thing where he's talking to Kano, all of his lines were just, and that's all it was. Pretty much. Which led me to think that Goro's pretty, pretty vain. I know he's he's got four arms and he can battle, but he's pretty vain, pretty self-absorbed, and he can throw miss one punch, throw his arms up in the air, and, and celebrate like he won. No. <laughs> I need a general, but still, come on. Right, so ninety percent of his lines in that scene with Johnny Cage are Rawr! right, but also I want to highlight the two chaps that the camera keeps whip cutting to. Right, in both yep. of Goro's fight scenes, there's two chaps who are like, "Yay, Goro, he's the best!" And it's the same two chaps in every single scene. It's like quick cut to them, quick cut to them, quick cut to them, and it's not that's 
I don't think that's either Ed Boon or John Tobias. It's just some dudes who were like, we're not wearing our masks. We're going to go Ray Goro. Mm-hmm. Like, what's that about? I, I mean, now that I've just said that the, the guy inside the suit didn't have much oxygen, uh, it kind of makes sense how him getting hit in the yambags, re- it really must have hit him because he sort of like, he leant over, no, I'm not moving. He, he must have clipped him by mistake and he's like, I don't care, this suit costs over a million dollars. That hurt. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, the thing is, that's relatable to any guy watching. Mm. Because you feel the pain, and it's not just that. The, the thing that makes it so much better is that the minute he gets hit, you see his eyes dilate. Oh, yeah, the pupils dilate. Oh, man. Now, for, for anyone listening who isn't a guy, if you get hit in the nuts, right, your pain receptors are either on or off. That's how the, the pain receptors in that area work, <laughs> right? No, honestly, that's, that's the pain receptors, right? Yeah, that's yeah. how they work. Your body does a full total reset. Your mind goes blank. <laughs> you see tunnel vision. You see black and white in the, the, the extremities of your, your eyesight, right? Your peripheral vision's gone. Your brain shuts down. And he does a, a window system restart, right? That's why it takes like four or five, maybe ten seconds to, to realize what planet you're on before you realize <laughs> where you are. And suddenly, after 15 seconds, oh, I need to breathe. <laughs> so it's very relatable. I know, I know that's that's the mystique of being a guy, but still, that is pretty much what happens when you get hit in the nuts as a guy. True. Yeah, that's it's it's yeah. connected to the stomach. That's why you feel like you have to vomit afterwards because the the nerves mm. just travel up, you know, through through the taint all the way up to the to the gut, and you're just like ha ha ha. And there's again, there's always that delayed response. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh. Yep. yep, and it's funny. The the <laughs> less direct the hit, the harder you feel it. Like you could take like a full on mm-hmm. punch of the ball, and it's gonna hurt, but you'll be okay. You take a glancing tap to like the side of the nuts. Shoot me! Like that's yeah. worse than what that's my it. wife went through yeah. in childbirth, as far as I'm concerned. Because just like just I'm I'm down. That's it. <laughs> just just cremate me yeah. now. Uh, Game over. I just, uh, that that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, a, a particularly strong breeze will do it. Yeah, strong breeze. Depends on the day, doesn't it? Yeah. It's worse if you're carrying something, right? And you're trying to shimmy sideways and you clip something because you've got something heavy and you're going, so it's a a test for attrition of will. You're going, I can't drop this, but so you you semi crumple and then you shuffle, put it down, and then you keel over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That should be a test of will and strength. Like trying carry to carry something. all, like trying to carry all of the grocery bags from the car into the house because you will be damned if you make a second trip. Then you yeah, get clipped. I'm not yeah. going back to the car. exactly, and then you get clipped <laughs> like the corner of the, like the carton of orange juice or something like that. You're like, yeah, I find it, I got it, and it's just swinging. It just keeps you. Oh, me running, and then that's it. You're down. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Daddy on the lawn surrounded by the groceries? Like help, help. <laughs> He was cal- <laughs> carrying the groceries, he clipped himself, and he tried for a touchdown. That's what happened. <laughs> Your wife runs out. Six points! <laughs> <laughs> it's good! <laughs> Where am I? Seriously. What are you talking about? <laughs> I do like in that Goro scene... 
there's the callback to earlier on where he's like he he beats him up and then kicks him over the edge and he's hanging on by like two fingers and he goes this is the part where you fall down and then it's then that Gora decides okay I'll let go then <sighs> right I I did like that sort of callback that was quite cool so yeah I, I I absolutely love that scene stupid line at the beginning brilliant fighting tactic punch him in the nuts and run away and then kick him off the edge of the the thing and say this is where you fall down brilliant perfect scene for me it's a bit dodgy with some of the cgi as the camera zooms out to show you the the full vista but that's totally fine i'm i'm willing to accept that this whole movie is dodgy cgi yeah ain't got nothing on jason the argonauts though cgi wise it's not. It's not. Stop. Stop. Cack animation. Cack. Stop. Cap animation. Well, it's cack animation. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a guy in a suit who's who's slowly choking to death. Dying. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but man, so, then, like, I I know that this is 1995, but goddamn, some of the CGI, like the reptile, like they just like clearly yeah. just threw him in there, and then some of the horrible CGI when they were walking up the steps, and Johnny is dropping all of his suitcases. <laughs> I was just like. Yeah. What? How bad is this? Mm-hmm. You know, or the fact that, I, I, like, I, you could tell when when he had to, uh, when what's his name, Johnny's master, whatever, was transitioning to Shang Tsung, and they're both walking so stiffly and uniformly because they have to maintain the same speed in order for the morph CGI to mm-hmm. work. And then the same thing with mm-hmm. with the thing coming out of Scorpion's hand. Like if you really watch that, like in 4K, like I did last night, like you could see where they it was done so slowly and methodically because they had to map the camera angles. And again, it's 1985, so I get things have changed since then. But mm-hmm. like watching this now in 2023, I'm like, wow, they these effects do not hold up at all. Yeah, 1995. Nowadays, you can do it with a TikTok filter, and it's just a bunny flying out your hand. You know, absolutely. <laughs> well, because frankly, any phones that we're we're shooting a TikTok video with are more powerful than any of the processors they had in the render farm back in 1995. Yeah. So, I mean, let's mm-hmm. let's be real about that. Also, what the f- were Johnny and Scorpion fighting? That they needed yeah. all these ladders and platforms and spider webs and just just nowhere. Like it's just like this dingy place with all these ladders and platforms. And then Johnny goes and does Jim Cotta on the, on Scorpion. He's just like, I'm I'm doing a routine on the, on the, on the parallel bars, the uneven bars or whatever the it is. Like he goes Simone Biles on Scorpion and he's like, Oh no, I don't know how to deal with that. Yeah, he just sort of stands there and lets him get some. You get a chance to watch Jim Carter (laughs) do it. It's the most insane film I've ever seen. But secondly, I've got two theories. It's either... It's either like L space from Discworld, but it's in some it's under someone's stairs, you know, the cupboard under the <laughs> stairs, the utility cupboard, or it's the prop room from the nineteen ninety five to two thousand and five of WWE, where they did like hardcore stuff. It's the stuff that's broken, they stuck it in there. <laughs> and they just added skulls and stuff because Scorpion, you know, Scorpion does Scorpion things. So I reckon it was like a disused prop room. That should be turned into a some sort of museum exhibit of a wrestling company. Well, see, Attitude Era wasn't until 1997, but you know, 96. If you want to get technical with it, but but yeah, I, yeah. Wow, okay, that's a that's a theory, that's a take. But seriously, like, yeah. I just I didn't understand what they were 
trying to go for, like what what level that was supposed to be, if that was even supposed to be a level. Because like maybe hell. I I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just thinking back from like the various stages of the game, because I know obviously the the spikes at the end fight, Liu Kang versus Shang Tsung is supposed to be like the pit kind of deal. But I I didn't know where this was supposed to be that they're just fighting in this dimly lit room with ladders and, and pipes and, you know, platforms and stuff like leading to what? So I don't think it was meant to be part of any of the games because um, from what I've read, the original fight scene with Scorpion ends with Johnny Cage when they're in the forest area, jumping and doing the shadow kick and just, he like explodes him or something like he just hits him so hard. He just blows up into a million pieces. But when they showed the test print to some test audiences, they were like, this is of a fighting game and there isn't enough fighting. So that's why when he does the shadow kick in the forest, they then morph into like portal out into some other area so they can continue the fight. Because like, if you imagine like if you watch that scene again, right, the entire fight scene is get over here, get over here, and then splat, right? And so they just went, right, what can we do that's vaguely like like fighty e? Right, we'll build this platform, we'll throw him over here, we'll do that, bang, done. So I feel like it was more it was less a let's shoehorn something in from the game and more a let's shoehorn something in that looks more action y and more fighty, perhaps. I I like the fact that in the film not not my two scenes, but in the film, there are two scenes in particular that go so hard. Two fight scenes that go so hard. One of them is Johnny Cage fighting Scorpion, and the other one is Liu Kang fighting Reptile. Now, the one with Scorpion, I reckon, because they, they, they tried to get the actors to do as much of the action scenes without using stunt doubles, and there's not much actually in the way of, like, uh, recorded for injuries and stuff. Um, I like to think that there was no choreography. They just went, right, okay. I'm going to yell action in a second, but here's your motivation. Kick the sh- out of each other. Action. To a point where, um, what's his name? Lyndon Ashby had a bruised kidney because yes. of that fight. He bruised his kidney. And the, the guy who played Scorpion, he, I think he did his foot in. Um, yeah, and the thing is, if you watch it, you can kind of see it because he backflips and he catches his feet on a pole. And I'd, yep. I was watching that, I went, oh, because I've actually hurt my foot like that. And I know how hard it is just to walk, let alone fight after that. So that went so hard. And the thing that makes it f- so much more hard hitting, I'm going to use that a lot, is you see close ups of like Johnny Cage getting his head kicked in. And then at certain points, the actors are hitting the camera. So it feels like you're actually yeah. there. It's like, oh, no, 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 I give up. I give Nope, nope, white flag, sort off. Ugh. Oh, but too yeah, it's for you, is it scritch? Well, it's, it's not too lemony, but it's too actiony. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just oh god, it's just that and oh the the reptile fight <laughs> me the Robin Shao. I always get that wrong. Robin Shao yep. broke two ribs in that fight. Yep. Um, he was uh, Keith Cook, who was playing reptile the guy who was the, the stuntman playing Reptile, yeah. he told him after he was thrown into the pillar, when they said action for the rest of it, he took him to one side and said, do not hit me in the right-hand side of the ribs. I've broken them. <laughs> and the yeah. thing was, I knew that before I rewatched this earlier on. 
when he was thrown into the pillar and they added the sound of the bones hitting, I just thought that actually happened. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. And, and then to keep going because he said, oh, I don't want to... Production like, to stop, yeah. Yeah, I don't want production to stop on this, so I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, keep plowing through this. I was like, holy... That's mm. dedication. The thing is, Bridget Wilson wasn't... Um, wasn't exempt from injury either. She dislocated her shoulder. Yeah. Then, just... uh, let me get, get this right. She dislocated her shoulder and then was was said to say that after it was forced back in, she had no problems continuing filming. Yeah. <laughs> mm. it. Don't don't film an action movie. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's ballsy. Yeah, don't film don't film an action scene <laughs> in the nineties. Not a good idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, There's... Don't get your DeLorean out and go back into the 90s, it's fine. No, no. What other scenes are you guys thinking of, right? So we just just really quickly covered like the Scorpion and Johnny Cage fight, and then Squidge hit us with some stuff. What, what else are you thinking here, um, uh, Anthony? What, what else are you thinking? I mean, you know, in terms of the the fight sequences, I mean, Liu Kang and, and Shang Tsung obviously has a lot of emotional stuff, and I think for um, the the physicality that one. Mm-hmm. does a fantastic job of carrying the emotional impact of, of that sequence. Um, yeah, pretty much those, those are the, the best fight sequences. I, I think as far as, as I'm concerned, we, we covered the big ones. I mean, the rest of them are okay, but we don't get to see a lot of them. Um, anything involving Goro really had to work around the limitations of the suit that kept breaking down. And then you have the, the montage of just everybody being thrown onto the cobblestones for like a full minute <laughs> of just yep. to, to really sell the point of how badass Goro is and how strong he is. He's just throwing everybody onto these cobblestones for, for a minute straight. It's just, there's like, I don't know how many different 311 guys get thrown onto the <laughs> cobblestones. It's just like, okay, we get it after the, like the 12th man, are there any people left? The the stuntmen that was thrown onto the cobbles, they really earned their paycheck. The amount of face plants. Yeah. If anyone's ever face planted, it hurts, but to do it from a height, any height. Yeah. And for that especially last guy bang, eats yeah. the floor. Oh. Just what? Like, mm. I hope he had the dental plan, is what I'm saying. <laughs> paid danger money, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Good that was okay, tough. what about you, Squidge? Oh, sorry. Um... <clears throat> Obviously, for the, the 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 idea of story progression and building the character, the last fight with Shang Tsung was a good one. I'm going to go back to Reptile, the fight with Reptile, because okay. Liu Kang's fighting a statue. That's how strong Reptile is, right? Yes. After he grabs him and throws him against the wall, it's like he's, he's holding his own but getting his butt whooped, right? Mm-hmm. He's thrown into the pillar, he grabs him, throws him into the wall, and then there's a specific part, I always love this part in the fight, where... He gets up and then Liu Kang just starts walking towards him and he's had enough. And he starts beating the living crap out of him. And it's sort of, it's at that part where maybe not before the fight with Shang Tsung, but it's like you can tell, click, he, he can do this. 
There's there's nothing mm-hmm. he can't do. He's fought worse than this. He's gonna kick the living <laughs> out of this thing, right? And he does, and he does the bicycle kick, fan service. Everyone loves it. And then he, you know, he does all sorts of stuff. And then by the end of it, Katana says, "Ah, you're finally believing." And I thought, do I really? I thought, did he really have to fight an actual statue to get Katana's approval? Break ribs. You yeah, know what he needed to do was anyone who's played the game knows that he needed to hold down the B button for five seconds. That's why he allows Reptile to beat on him, because he's like, I'm holding down the B button, holding down the B button, bicycle <laughs> kick. Right? Everyone knows yeah. that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that. it's like Liu Kang and Johnny Cage both get a hard-hitting fight, and it's Reptile and Scorpion, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to go back to being a, a wrestling fan here. Um the last fight with Shang Tsung, it kind of plays out. It obviously it's choreographed because it's a movie scene, mm-hmm. um, but it kind of plays out like a really well done wrestling match. It's not about the mm. actions; it's about the story being told, and, and it's 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 more the psychology, yeah. the emotion, the story, and Liu Kang finally realizing that I'm going to do this. I, you know, mm. I am the chosen one. Q remix, um, but it's sort of that. You know, he says, you'll fight me. I'm a descendant of Kung Lao. The need to knee-jerk his, you know, insert his name somewhere. Um, but sort of like, he is he is a monk. He is built for this. I'm going to win. I'm going to do all. I'm going to win the 10th tournament and save Earth and what have you. He's, he's got the best story arc. Because mm-hmm. it, the only story arc is Liu Kang's, and it's building him up to be this saviour. Mm-hmm. And it's a very reluctant saviour. He's scared of his destiny. But it, it plays out like a really good wrestling match because it tells a story more than just, I'm going to kick your teeth in because reasons, because revenge. It plays really well, and it's it's got like different layers to it. You know, It builds up, ramps up nicely. More than Mortal Kombat Annihilation. See, you win. I'm not going to argue no more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, that last scene. It 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 does. It plays out like a really well told story. The action's good. I will say the reptile fight was better. But in regards to story, that one that one peaks. It's it's the best one. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you because the the punchy punchy stuff is cool, and you're like, wow, these moves. But if there's not emotion behind it, if there's not a reason to root for one of these characters there's only so far i can i can go with action mm. yep yep yeah i'm i'm not a, a, a the the very limited amount of stuff that i know from storytelling and and cinematography the theory of um yeah in in any fight scene you need to be telling a story um, I agree with you both. I think they told a really good story in that final fight scene. You know, uh, Robin Shu, Robin Shao, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. He was the choreographer for most of the fight scenes in the movie. And he, you can tell that he was saving the best bits for the final fight scene, right? He was like, okay, yeah. so we've got to do it like this, do it like this. It, it's me that's doing it anyway, but I have to really tell the story that, that this guy is finally accepting his, his place in the world. And is fighting not only for his life, but for the the release of his brother's soul. Right? You can you putting aside the fact that it's a fantasy based martial arts movie. You can really you can see that on screen. I think it really came through. I love how um, if he did the choreography for most of the, the fights or nearly all of them. Um, I like the mm-hmm. fact that if you haven't seen Mortal Kombat before, every single fight it could go either way. Yeah. 
it's not one-sided. The hero is just going to punch and punch and punch and then win. It's sort of like they are really fighting for their lives. It is like a fight to the death, Mortal Kombat. It's not just, I'm going to go in, do like a super move, and then that's it. It could go either way at any point, and that's that's what makes it so special, I think. Yeah, totally. Which I feel makes it better than MKA, right? Because MKA is very much, here are the good guys, those are the bad guys. And in fact, we're not even going to have some of the bad guys fight. We're just going to have them get squished, right? Uh, <laughs> I've already given up. What more can I do? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. Okay, so what... Oh, sorry. Um, so what if we were going to rate this movie, right? If we were going to rate this movie... Right, there are three categories that we usually rate these video game movies on, right? And we'll go through them individually in a moment and collect everyone's ratings. But just for the people who maybe don't know how we do this, we rate a movie, a video game movie, based on as a genre of the movie. So in this case, a martial arts, fantasy, action, adventure sort of kick-ass movie, as a movie within the the canon of the video games. So in this case, a entry into the Mortal Kombat canon. And then as a, if no one has ever played a video game before, if you introduce them to this movie, will it, um, will, will it be a good place for them to start their video game career, video game journey? And I know, um, uh, Anthony, you said earlier on that, you know, your wife had known that it was a video game before and known a little bit about it, but never seen the movie. So I feel like you can provide us with a bit of a, uh, interesting point of view with these three categories. <laughs> So, so which one do we want to do first? Okay, so if we do, um, so if we do as a as a action adventure fighty martial artsy movie, uh, and the three ratings you can choose from are, I absolutely love it. Um, I recommend people try it, or I think we should fling it into a tree. So, Mortal Kombat nineteen ninety five, everyone, as a um, martial arts action adventure fantasy movie. I would say, can I? Can I cheat a little bit and say like between love it and, and mm-hmm. try it? Um, Cause there's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, we did discuss how the opening does move a little slowly. So mm. there's, there's not a ton of action in the beginning. You have a little bit with the Sonya looking for Kano and, and that action sequence as they run through the concert of people who don't give a shit that they're possibly getting shot at. And then you have the brief little fight sequence of the Johnny Cage movie before we understand that it's a movie. And then there's really not a lot of fighting going on until well after they, until like the, the demonstration of, uh, you know, Sub-Zero versus the, the poor jabroni fighter who spends most of his time just kicking at the air. Who's just like, yeah, all the while Sub-Zero's then like, when is this mother going to jump at me? So I can just freeze his <laughs> popsicle, his ass and move on. Indiana with Jones dad. vibes right there. Indiana Jones vibes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're done. Um, <laughs> so, so I would say somewhere between the, the love it and try it. Okay, cool. What about you, Squidge? Love it. As a martial arts fantasy movie. 
with action and adventure stuff. Love it. You love it. Absolutely okay. love it yeah. because it, it, it paid thinking about it now and probably something that we could get onto later on. Um, I'm seeing a hell of a lot of correlations between the first Mortal Kombat film and the absolute cheese fest of Dead or Alive. It follows a lot of the same story beats, a massive setup, intense fighting in the middle, bit of story, intense fight at the end credits. I will posit though, that Kevin Nash doesn't tear his quads as much in Mortal Kombat as he does in Dead or Alive. Maybe, maybe Christopher Lambert did. It just it was never shown. You know, there was no stats for it because nobody knew much about the actual injuries in it. So I like to think Christopher Lambert maybe tore something. Well, un- <laughs> unlike unlike Kevin Nash, Christopher Lambert doesn't have quads made of paper. So that's true. <laughs> but he Kevin does have Nash a really Kevin good Nash wig. turns his neck the wrong way and tears a quad. So yeah, <laughs> Christopher Lambert has a really good wig. I'd like to think it's his real hair, but it's not it's a wig. Maybe that wig was made of Kevin Nash's quads. <laughs> yeah, that's why they tore so much. Yeah, <laughs> makes he sense. Give his quads such that Kevin. So that, sorry, let me try that one again. He gave his quads such that um, Christopher Lambert would look fabulous. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but yeah it's i just love it okay completely. Cool. there's yeah. for, for reasons of it's an awesome film lots of times totally. but it's awesome yeah yeah uh, for me it's definitely a try it, it kept me well entertained <laughs> usually when i'm watching these video game movies and we're gonna do one of these i sit there with a pad and a pen and i hit pause and i write down my thoughts and then i carry on then i hit pause and write down my thoughts i watched this movie twice before we hit record and not once did I hit pause and write things down. I'm like, I am in for the long haul. I am here. I'm done. This is good. Right? So it was way more entertaining than uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Sorry, Squidge. <laughs> it's fine. Like I said, I've already given up on that. So, yeah. I've already tapped out so on then, that. So. <laughs> so then, as a Mortal Kombat movie, as a movie within the Mortal Kombat canon of entertainment which exists that you have sat through either watched played read because there's like tv shows and comic books and you know video games and there is a novelization as well yeah yeah and all sorts of stuff as a entry into the mortal kombat canon of stuff same ratings where do you all feel i would say love it for a fan of the franchise just because i do think within the limitations that they were working from a from a technological standpoint this pretty much is a fairly faithful enough representation of the first game with some elements from the second one. So I, I really do appreciate that they tried to give some kind of a story behind it, that they did largely follow the canon story of Liu Kang being the winner of the tournament. Um, There's a lot there that they very much cared about the story and the characters and stuff. And like I said, they, they did put some effort into it. So that's why I would say, all right, this is, this is pretty solid. Um, so I don't, I don't have any major uh, complaints about it. Mm. What about you, Squidge? Um, I'd say love it for two major reasons. The second one's a bit of a personal reason, but the first reason is the remake of the game in 2009 that came out, the Neverrealm Studios made, um, pretty much followed this movie um, with obviously extra characters. So they won the tournament and then they had to go to Outworld. So got to the end, 
beat Shang Tsung, won the tournament, and then some some shenanigans happened, and they all had to go to Outworld to try and finish mm. off and win. You know, so it influenced that, and it's it's pretty faithful recreation. Um, I think Shang Tsung being an old dude would have looked weird, kind of like um, mm. Big Trouble in Little Chinatown when he's old and he's got the glowing head. You know, it would have looked weird. Um, but the second one is I'm I'm quite the um, ethereal portal enthusiast in no matter what film I watch, you know, for like, um, for like portals to places and magic and stuff. And this one's got a pretty good one. So it, it had the money shot right there when Shang Tsung kidnapped Sonya. So it's, um, <laughs> as a portal enthusiast, it, it worked for me. So yeah. Um, Mortal Kombat as a Mortal Kombat film, it, it just love it. Just and as a Stargate film, that. it works, uh, <laughs> You know, if you're into that sort of thing, it's a very much like a, oh, okay, all right, here's, where's Richard Dean Anderson? It's a... Uh, yeah, yeah. Shao Kahn invading every... Shao Kahn, it's just one of the deleted scenes in the second film where you go into his... his um, he's talking to his dad, and in the background there's a crumpled up Stargate. You know, That's point in, in a deleted scene is, and when I get that working... Absolutely. <laughs> I'll make you, know, you proud. There's that theory that all films and TV shows are all connected. That's how Mortal Kombat is connected to Stargate. It is one of the places they can end up in Stargate, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I I've, I share the same sentiments as you chaps. It is a... Love it. This As a Mortal Kombat entry into the canon, it is amazing. Um, yeah, for the same reasons that you said, Anthony, about... You know, they, they, they spend some time figuring out the story and, and giving you the information you need to actually, rather than it just be an hour and a half of one person fights another and then one person fights another. And then, the like, we have the King of the Ring for that, right? We have wrestling for that. That's what, if we want to watch an hour and a half of one person fights another, then another person fights a third person, we can watch pro wrestling for that, right? So we don't need watch that as a movie. Oh, exactly, right? On back and stuff like that. Um, or the red. Interesting. Interestingly, um, uh, Tony Jaa, as you said, on back, Tony Jaa was one of the uh, stunt people in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So, you know, there's a link there too. Oh. So, chaps, um, as a movie which represents video games, right? So this is you're talking to someone who maybe has never played a video game in their life and you say, I tell you what, let's watch this 90 minute movie and maybe you'll be happy with playing video games, right? How does this one fare? Again, love it. Try it, fling it into a tree. Where are we sitting with this one? I would say definitely try it because, again, I think it captures so much of the spirit of that first game that you want to uh, you you want to play Mortal Kombat after seeing this. I definitely did. I was looking through my Steam library to see have. I have a shared library with a friend of mine, and I'm like, did he get Mortal Kombat 11? Can I download that? Can I? Because I haven't played in years. I actually just played Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters because I did a, a guest spot on another podcast to talk about the Cowabunga Collection, and I was playing the the Tournament Fighters for Super Nintendo, and I played it five times, and in th- those five times against the the first uh, character, the first player you fight, War, uh, I won one round. I got my I went one in ten on. On the lowest difficulty level, I was getting my ass handed to me. And I was like, I used to be able to be pretty good at Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter because I played all the original games back <laughs> in the 90s. 
what the f- happened? How have I sucked so badly that I can't do <laughs> now with this? Like, it was just terrible. So I want to play Mortal Kombat now, Mortal Kombat 11, just to see if it was just that game or if I just should never play a fighting game ever again for the rest of my life because I'm just apparently <laughs> beyond saving. But so, yes, this very much made me want to play Mortal Kombat again because of how much I enjoyed the, the movie. Ah, TMNT tournament fighters, the Dark Souls of fighting games on the Genesis. Um, <laughs> I didn't win any round on that, and I played as everyone. So I share your pain. I mean, I was playing the Super Nintendo version, but still, like, I main as Donnie, and I couldn't hit the guy. F- mm. Yeah, I feel your pain. I know, I know that one. It's You want to go back on Mortal Kombat just to drag some self-esteem back. I can beat someone, anyone. <laughs> I don't care who I play as. Just let me win one round, and I'll feel better, you know. Hand me the championship bell. I won one. I retire. <laughs> <laughs> Just me then. Okay, fair enough. I should Just read the room better. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, which? How did you feel about it as a video game movie? Where, um, where are you sitting with this one? For me, it's between love it and try it because um, it's a better example of a video game movie. It grossed a lot opening weekend and overall. It was the best-selling video game movie adaptation of the time until it was beaten in 1998, three years later, by the first Pokemon film. So it did really well. Um, but it's it's in that fine line between there are better movies, video game movies, but there are a ton worse movies you could watch. And it teeters between so bad it's good and just laughably bad. You know? So it's for, like... A random Sunday afternoon, if you've got nothing to do, there is a lot worse video game movies you can watch. But for like 2023, what we're in now, you've got to bear with it until the fighting starts because there's a lot of story to set up. If you can bear with that, or if you're not bothered about the story and just want to skip to the fight scenes, that's that's doable. But if you can bear the 20, 30 minutes of setting the story up, you you will be rewarded for your patience. Um, so yeah, it is a good movie. There are better movies or some worse ones, but it's definitely good for a Sunday afternoon. I would heartily recommend it, but it's between love it and try it. Um, yeah, I think, I think you, you raised a really good point there, Squidge, because like in 1995, there was in the Venn diagram of people who play video games and people who go to movies, there was not a lot of crossover, right? This mm. was like one of the first few. Right. Um, and so I think you, you, you both raised a really good point there about like it takes some time to set up a story for people who have never played the games. So then it gives them a chance to get into it. Um, uh, and so I agree with you both completely. And uh, because of that, yeah, I would say um, at the very least, try it um, because, yeah, it, it represents everything that a video game movie should be right there's enough story there for non-video game players to get them in absorbed into the into the story and then it just goes right we're at 45 we're at an hour and 10 minutes click we're in action mode now and it just does not stop so yeah i agree completely <laughs> mm. cool yep. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Anthony, just before we, we sort of wrap up, I was wondering, can you tell folks again about uh, Capes on the Couch, where they can get it and what it's all about? Sure. So, uh, as I said at the, the top, uh, Capes on the Couch, we are a podcast that covers the mental health issues of comic book characters. Um, my co-host is a board-certified psychiatrist, so we offer uh, 
examination of various issues. We look at treatment options for the characters. We role play what a therapy session with that character would sound like. It's edutaining. So it's a combination of educational and, and entertaining. Um, so all of our episodes are on our website, uh, capesonthecouch.com. You can find us on pretty much all the major podcatchers except for Spotify. Um, and we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Capes on the Couch. So I uh, hope you, you like what you hear and, and uh, check us out. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like I said at the start, um, definitely go check out um, Capes on the Couch. It's it's right in that perfect sweet spot for me of the sort of comic booky pop culture-y stuff. And let's explore where that sits and how we can... We, well, I say we, right? I'm not part of the production team. I apologize there, Anthony, but like how you can demystify and destigmatize um, all of that stuff. And it's really, please, folks, go listen to it. There's enough uh, stigma before, in life you don't need mental health ones. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah, anything to break uh, that down, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but before we wrap up proper, I just want to leave you both with this one thought before we wrap up. Originally cast as Raiden was Danny Glover. What? Yep. Danny Glover, according to my sources, was a, of lethal weapon fame, was originally cast to play the role Raiden. Um, but apparently, so I've got to, right, that bit is real, this bit is my joke, but apparently he was too old for this shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was originally, he was originally cast as, um, and that that's a real thing. You can go look that up, right? He that's a legit thing. I'm not I'm not yanking your chain or blowing smoke up your butt or whatever. But yes, before we do the wrap up, that was originally who was uh, cast to play uh, Raiden. So there you I can't go. imagine him <laughs> in a long haired wig in the Kevin Nash cord wig. It look weird. <laughs> I did read that that they offered it to Sean Connery as yes. Raiden, but yes. How much would he chew the scenery <laughs> as Raiden? There'd be nothing left. Best fighters in the world. This your tournament, <laughs> Shang Tsung. <laughs> You've got to kick his ass. <laughs> I'm Raiden, Lord of Thunder. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Sean, your blade. I'm going <laughs> I'm going to leave you all with that thought for now of Daddy Glover and or Sean Connery playing Raiden rather than Christmas. That's going to keep me up at night. Good. That's what I wanted, no. Squidge. I have trouble <laughs> sleeping enough as it is, but oh, God's sake. So, yeah, you, you all have, uh, and, and we're actually, at the moment, but pre-edit, we're coming in um, under the length of the movie, so great work. That's a first, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is the first. I think we need some kind of ding sound or something. <laughs> I'll figure some out. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you all have been listening to another episode of Waffle Taylors. Head over to waffletailers.rocks to learn more about us. We're on all the different social medias that we're on. That's a bad sentence, but you get one <laughs> as Waffle Taylors. I would love to hear your thoughts about Mortal Kombat, the movie. So, head over to our website, find the Discord button, join the Discord server, and tell me why I'm wrong with my opinions. Because I want to know what you thought of this movie. You know, and, you know, that I think that would be really quite good. And, you know, Anthony's there, you know, when he's when he's not too terribly busy. So you can tell him how his opinions are correct and mine are wrong. 
That's absolutely fine. You can tell Squidge how cool he is and keep telling me that I'm wrong and I'm stupid. That's absolutely I, I, fine. I just need one person to back me up about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And I'll, I, I will reverse my surrender. And I will fight okay. to the death to say it's the best one. I just need one person to back me up. So what we're going to do is we're going to find the Mortal Kombat Annihilation fan club and invite them all onto the server, right? <laughs> there you go. There are dozens of us. Uh, dozens! <laughs> Arrested developer reference. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. Cool. Well, yeah, thanks for listening in, folks. I hope you've enjoyed it. Let us know. And definitely go check out Capes on the Couch. Please, please do check out mm. Capes on the Couch. And like I said at the beginning, I've stolen it from uh, Stephen Dubner of uh, Freakonomics fame. Look after yourself, and if you can, someone else too. So this tweet said, any song can be 4-4 four, four time if you're brave enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, let's, sure, let's let's do that. Yeah, let's throw some tool in four four and see what happens. Yeah, his his uh, Dragon Force through the fire and the flame played as a, a folk live acoustic set. <laughs> No, no, not as in ding 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 as in the speed of folk music, like really slow. So the track's like thirty minutes long. <laughs> <laughs>